Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. The city of Detroit has been represented in Congress by at least one African-American since the 1950s. But changing demographics and a citizen-led redraw of political boundaries means that streak could end in 2022. Today we'll talk about the races for the 12th and 13th congressional seats, who's in them, who's in the lead, and what it might mean if the city's black majority loses self-representation in Washington. That's next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host. And as always, I'm glad that you've tuned in. It was in 1955 that a young politician named Charles Diggs became the first African-American member of Congress from the state of Michigan. He ran right here in the city of Detroit, where he lived. And he began a very long streak of African-American representation of the city's African-American population in Congress. John Conyers, Carolyn Cheeks Kilpatrick, Barbara Rose Collins, the names of the people who've been sent to Washington from the city of Detroit are familiar to all of us in Southeast Michigan and to people all around the country. But it's possible, just possible, that in 2022, we will break that streak of sending an African-American from the city of Detroit to Congress. Because of changing demographics and the citizen-led redraw of our political boundaries last year, the districts look different. And it's possible that the African-American majority in the city of Detroit will be represented by people who are not African-Americans. Now, there are a lot of things in politics that feel distant and far away and unreachable. It doesn't always seem like an open democratic system is what we have. But when we think of who represents us in Congress, it's a lot closer. It has always been a lot closer to people here in the city of Detroit. This year is pivotal for that reason. This year means a lot in the districts that represent Detroit, the Congressional 12th and the Congressional 13th. And one of them has seen one of the hottest races in all of the collective congressional districts in Michigan this cycle, the 13th district, where there are eight people running to replace Brenda Lawrence, an African-American from uh, Southeast Michigan who has represented that district for some time. We want to talk about both of those districts, the 12th, which is held by Rashida Tlaib and where Detroit City Clerk Janice Winfrey is challenging her for re-election, and the 13th, where we've got all of these hopefuls, including several African-Americans, who say they want to represent the city of Detroit in Washington. That is where we begin the conversation today and to talk about the district the candidates running, and the priorities of voters first in the 13th Congressional District. We have WDET reporter Eli Newman with us. Eli, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. And also with us, we have Mario Moro. He is the CEO of the political consultant group Mario Moro and Associates, and somebody who has been an expert on Detroit politics for many, many years. Mario, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me okay? We sure can. Thank you. All right. Uh, Eli, I'm going to start with you. Adam Ollier is one of the candidates running in the 13th district. He got the support of 
Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan. Uh, Shri Tanadar is uh, also a candidate in that district. He's got a ton of money and has been spending it all over television. And uh, Portia Roberson, who runs Focus Hope and used to work in both the Duggan and the Dave Bing administrations, has the support of Brenda Lawrence and institutions like the Detroit Free Press. So tell us, what does all this mean for voters? This is a pretty hot race. There are lots of other candidates in the race as well. Uh, are, are these three, though, the ones who are in the front of the pack? And are they kind of split in terms of the support that they have? Well, well, I would say that those three are definitely among the most um, funded campaigns. And I think as a result of that, we see them as the front runners in this race. Of course, there are nine candidates in this field. It is a very crowded right. race. I said eight, it's nine. Yeah, yeah. and, 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 there, and there, there's a, a lot going on there. But in, in terms of, yeah, those, those three candidates, like you said, um, uh, uh, State Senator Adam Oye does have the institutional uh, support of Wayne County. He's also got Warren uh, County Executive Warren Evans in the mix. Um, but you know these kinds of endorsements have been split. You know you do have uh, you know outgoing Representative Brenda Lawrence uh, supporting P- Portia Roberson. There are these kind of splits amongst these endorsements, and then as a result of the funding of these uh, candidates as they vie for this race. Of course, Sri Tanadar is. Um, largely self-funding, I would say like 99% self-funding his own campaign. So there is, you know, I don't think we'll really know, you know, who's going to win this race until primary day. And we actually uh, count these votes. I mean, there's some kind of initial polling that does show that there's a lot, uh, you know, it can kind of swing a lot of different ways, but, you know, time will tell with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So Mario, uh, I want to talk about this district in general with you and the history, of course, of uh, African-American representation here in the city of Detroit, in, in, in Washington. Um, uh, why is this so important this year? Uh, we have nine candidates. Many of them are African-American. But I think there's a real fear that this will be the year that we break the streak that I described in the open that started in 1955 with Charles Diggs, uh, and that we will not have uh, someone who looks like the majority in this city uh, representing us in Washington. Well, again, thank you for having me on. And it's uh, very important to the city of Detroit and to the base, if you will, of uh, individuals who invested so much uh, of their their livelihood here. Uh, the history is uh, unprecedented as relates to uh, what uh, Detroit politics has had had done uh, in order to even elect a uh, black individual or person of color to uh, this position. Um, you mentioned uh, the front runners, but yet there's a, another uh, component here and there are other people in the race with strong name recognition. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, there's Sharon McPhail, there's John Conyers. I mean, there's uh, Michael Griffey, people who have invested a lot of time in this community and who have run for office in the past and who have some legacy there. I say all that to say that a majority, which is Detroit majority black, is a minority when the votes are canceling each other out, Hmm. when they're split and divided. And when you have a self-funded candidate such as uh, uh, Sheree Tanadar, who has invested $8 million of his own money and only raised, I think, about $500, uh, that causes a big, big uh, problem for the candidates running against him because he's able to, and you mentioned, Stephen, that he's able to put a lot of this money uh, on television and on radio. However, I believe that because of the redrawing of this district and because of the division within the Detroit base, the number of individuals, black individuals running, um, that the vote in Detroit will be so split and so divided that those suburban out county municipalities will be the deciding factor of who is going to represent the 13th congressional district. Hmm. So the gross points uh, and the downriver communities that are in the 13th, will, in my opinion, be the determinating factor for who is going to represent the 13th. 
And and if that's true, I mean, obviously the dynamic there uh, has a lot of implications, not just for the history of this city and and self-representation for African-Americans. It has a lot of policy implications and, and other things. Mario, talk about what that would mean if, for instance, uh, Shreeth Anadar was the the person who ends up winning this this race, and and Rashida Tlaib, uh, who already represents part of Detroit in in Congress, uh, is the person who wins in the in the twelfth district. Well, let's let's start with uh, Rashida uh, Tlaib. She's she's well liked, uh, especially among um, the if you want to put this in a social economic status among those who are. Uh, less fortunate mm-hmm. because she's a fighter and uh, individuals love in Detroit, love fighters, those who are brass <laughs> and unpredictable. Um, and I think that's something that she's been able to um, capitalize on in her years uh, in, in state government and also in Washington. Cherie, I believe, um, in my opinion, uh, is going to have a serious learning curve. You know, a guy who lived, um, I believe, in Novi or or in that area who moves to Detroit, runs for, you know, office to represent Detroit. He wins. He spends a lot of money and he wins because of his name recognition and so forth and so on. But I do believe that there is a disconnect there. Um, I don't think he's connected with the masses of people in Detroit, Mm -hmm. like, let's say, uh, Rashida Tlaib. And I do believe that um, this is causing a lot of debate openly and behind the scenes as to, which they should have thought about earlier, on who to support to beat Rashid, to beat Cherie. You know, there's this coalition, ABS, anybody but Cherie. But it's a problem. This is, you know, I think he noticed it, that he had an issue when he put the five, first five million in and then added another three. That tells me that either you are desperately in trouble uh, and it's not going your way or you just, just have money sitting around and you know, you just want this job that pays less than $200,000 uh, for self-interest and ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli, uh, talk about the differences between these candidates and then talk about the influence of money here. Uh, as Mario saying, there is a lot of money flowing into this race, uh, more than I think we have seen in in uh, certainly recent races uh, for Congress in in Detroit. What does that all what does that all tell us? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, we do have, you know, a vast, uh, a very diverse field of candidates. Um, just to kind of go over some of the the past, you know, resumes, we have Sharon McPhail, who is a former Detroit City Council member. We have Sherry Gaitin-Yoga, who is a former state lawmaker and a current Detroit School Board president. Um, you know, we have Michael Griffey, who comes with his own kind of legal experience as a civil rights attorney. And we have Sam Riddle, who's also in the mix as a longtime political mm-hmm. consultant here in the city. Um, you know, and I think a lot of these these candidates can speak to different people. They have different um, uh, uh, things that they can that they can show as part of their resume as, as things that they have accomplished, uh, reasons, reasons to be elected. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I think that money is playing a big factor into, into this. While we're talking about there's nine candidates, only, you know, about half of them have, you know, uh, raised more than $100,000, um, obviously. And then you have those kind of like blockbuster kind of candidates, the the Sri Tanadar, who is, you know, spending millions, and uh, Adam Olier, who has um, raised almost like a, a million dollars, but also has a lot of funding coming in from from super PAC funding or, or or these kind of dark money nonprofits. I mean, the, 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 these things are all in the mix. I think really with every Detroit election, and um, that's obviously going. I think point you know people in one way or the other. I mean, I think it's important to know that you know in Michigan this primary. I mean, you only really need a plurality of votes. You, there isn't. You know, it's not like the top two candidates in this field are going to move on to the general election. This is it. Yeah. So you really, among nine candidates, you don't necessarily need that much. You definitely don't need a majority. You can probably win on, you know, 20 percent. I mean, there, there, it's we're going to see how that shakes out, you know, come Election Day. But I, I think it's really like a testament to the fact that there is, you know, in, it's not so uncommon that you know, you have this open seat primary. You have the, this retirement. This, this is also we've been re- referring a lot to uh, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. 
back when she was running to replace, you know, the longest U.S. Um, uh, black representative in, in Congress, John Conyers. There was also a similarly kind of crowded field, six candidates, um, definitely some familiar names in that mix as well. And, you know, she came out ahead. And there was also that whole kind of thing that happened with then city council president Brenda Jones about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who was going to take that seat. Brenda Jones kind of was congressman for, for a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think that, you know, we could, re, you know, because th- th- those concerns about splitting the ticket, I mean, I think that has been echoed by by you know the inst- institutionalized democratic voices, the the people who have really understood politics. You're hearing it from Mario. I've talked to um, Keith Williams, who's the the president of, uh, or sorry the chair of the uh, Michigan Democratic Black Caucus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there is this real fear that you know you tr- a, 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 someone like uh, Sri Tanadar doesn't really need that much to get out ahead in this race. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about uh, the city of Detroit and its congressional representation, uh, the two districts in our state that uh, represent at least part of Detroit, the 12th and the 13th district. Right now we're talking about the 13th district where there are nine candidates uh, vying for the seat. Uh, In a little bit, we are going to talk more intently about the 12th district where uh, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib faces a challenge from Detroit city clerk Janice Winfrey on August 2nd. Uh, We want to hear from you during the conversation as well. What issues are driving you to the polls on August 2nd? Do you live in the 13th Congressional District or in the 12th Congressional District, either in the city of Detroit or in one of the suburbs that are also covered by those districts? Tell us who you're voting for, who you're supporting in the race. Why are you voting for that person? Uh, Who do you think would represent you best in Washington, uh, whether you live in the city of Detroit or, again, in one of the suburbs uh, that is included in one of these districts. Uh, As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we can work you into the conversation that way. Let's start today with Roberta in Detroit. Roberta, welcome to the show. Stephen, it's Alberta. Oh, it's Alberta. <laughs> okay, so the producers didn't hear you right. <laughs> they didn't write that down for me. Uh, Alberta, I know who this is. It's Alberta Tinsley Talabi, former yeah. state legislator and former member of Detroit City Council. Uh, also, prolific listener of uh, Detroit Today. Uh, go ahead, Alberta. <laughs> yuppie, yuppie. I am, all of those things. <laughs> but listen, uh, for total disclosure, I do want to make it clear that I am supporting Sherry Gay Dagnogo. Uh-huh. She's a former legislator. She's also a school board member. But more importantly, she is the real fighter in this race. Hmm. Sherry stood up for those with no voice. Sherry has carried an honorable campaign throughout. And I can tell you, you... They may have the money, but she's got the people behind her. I see it. Hmm. I see it. And I feel it. And we're going to have a great time on August 2nd because Sherry J. Dagnogo will be going to Congress. I believe with all my heart. And, And if you get out here in the streets, you'll see what I mean. So, so Alberta, obviously, I mean, you're somebody who who knows a lot about uh, about our community and and about what drives people in our community. I take that very seriously that you say that uh, maybe the polls aren't reflecting what's really happening in people's hearts and minds uh, out in the out in the neighborhoods. Uh, that that'll be really interesting because uh, because so far the polls don't show her in the lead. Uh, they do show her. Uh, you know, kind of in that second tier uh, of candidates. Uh, uh, Mario, what do you make of that analysis? Are the polls wrong here? Every poll that I've seen so far <laughs> has pretty much had Shri out front uh, and then yeah. a, a collection of people kind of close to him and then some folks further back. Are, are they not picking up what's really happening in, in our community? Well, First of all, you know, candidates will say, especially if they're not in the lead, the only poll that counts is the one on election day. Uh, but I do agree with you that, you know, uh, Cherie has polled very high. Uh, the, the last three polls that I saw had him in the lead. 
Uh, there was one uh, relief on state with Tire Insight that showed him with 22%, followed by Portia Robeson with 17 and Adam Hollier with 16 and uh, Sherry. Um, then there's, you know, John Connor, Sherry, and, and, and uh, Michael, all around the 7 and 5%. Um, the problem is this. Several people have already voted in the absentee ballot process. Your consistent, regular senior citizens mm. have voted. And in a, if, you, if you combine that with low voter turnout on election day, then there is a strong possibility that this election could be up to grass between Tanadar, Holier, and Robeson because of their base. Mm -hmm. And whoever out of these three candidates motivates their base to get to the polling place, because they can still do absentee ballot, but getting to the polling place on election day will come out victorious. But again, they have to they have to get into uh, the suburban areas, especially the points. The points, I believe, will be the determining factor on who will represent that district. Hmm. So, because Detroiters, to be honest with you, Stephen, Detroiters are not going to come out in the masses to vote on election day. It's going to be low voter turnout. Yeah. So, so uh, there's also in that poll, that latest poll, this really interesting uh, other number, which is that there's 16 percent of the people in in that district who say they're undecided. Uh, and and I know that that often means that those are people who may not cast a ballot. But if they do, that could really change the numbers, right, Eli? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think that's a, a major, uh, you know, factor, you know, generally. But I, 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 want, I want to kind of focus on something that Mario was talking about, just in terms of just like what voter turnout is in in Detroit. I mean, I think in the 2018, in at least in the city, you know, we're, we're hovering right around that 20 percent you know, voter turnout. And so speaking, I, I think he, he's onto something when he's talking about, you know, these other kind of uh, suburbs and how they're going to play in all these races. And I, and I think that's kind of, that's a major facet of, frankly, of all of the Metro Detroit races, whether it be the, the congressional races or what we're going to be seeing with the state house and state Senate. Um, the, 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 this kind of dec declining voter turnout, which we, I think we've really seen in these, uh, non-presidential elections mm -hmm. um, has been, I think, something to be that is of a major concern. Um, going back to um, what the former state representative who called in, what she was saying about um, Shirogiti uh, Nyoko, I mean, I, I think that it, that's an interesting, it's an interesting to hear that because there, there's definitely, you know, I, I think that she, uh, she shows that there's a lot of kind of split thoughts about, you know, who we're getting behind. Um, uh, she has a lot of support from um, city, current city council members. Mm -hmm. Just to give you a sense of just like you know, we've been talking about how how the mayor is supporting other people, and and how the former uh, Brenda Lawrence on her way out is supporting one, and and these city council members and mayors are supporting. I mean, you you really look if you were to like not that I you know I, I've looked at these lists and to the list of endorsements and the unions and and the groups that support. I mean, the, these things are really split across the board, and I think when it comes to that idea of like what people are going to be like thinking of why people are undecided. I think there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of candidates to digest. So it's something I think a lot of people need to consider. Yeah. Okay. We need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Mario Moro and Eli Newman about the 13th Congressional District. Remember, a little later in the show, we are still going to talk specifically about the 12th District, that race between Rashida Tlaib and Janice Winfrey. We want to continue to hear from you on the phones and on social media as well. Anthony in Ann Arbor, Adelia in downtown Detroit. We will get to you if you want to join them. 313-577-1019 is the number here. That's 313-577-1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Mario Moro, CEO of Political Consultancy, Mario Moro and Associates. Also with us is Eli Newman. He is a reporter and producer here 
at uh, WDET covers breaking news, politics, and community affairs. We're talking right now about the race for the 13th Congressional District, one of the many questions that will be on the ballot August 2nd. Uh, that combined with the race for the 12th Congressional District make up the interests of people in the city of Detroit in terms of who represents them in Congress. Since the 1950s, we have had at least one African-American in Congress from the city of Detroit representing us uh, because of the way that demographics have changed and that political boundaries have been drawn. This year really could be the year that breaks that streak. 2022 could be the end of uh, that 70-year run of African-Americans representing African-Americans in the city of Detroit in Washington. We want to hear from you during the conversation as well. What's motivating you to get to the polls on August 2nd, which is just a week from now? Do you live in the 12th or the 13th congressional districts? If you do, call and tell us who you're voting for. Tell us why you're voting for that person. Uh, and also tell us who you think represents you best when it comes to who goes to Washington from our community? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Adelia in downtown Detroit. Adelia, what's on your mind? Yes. Well, um, hello, gentlemen. I uh, have been in politics since birth, and you know I've moved out of it. But it's interesting to see how all the African-American middle class swoop down onto one area to try to win so they can move to Washington. Now, I know that may sound very... What, uh, what do you mean by that, Adelia? <laughs> I think that everybody has, you know, been here for a while and they're running, want to get out of here, basically. And that's <laughs> kind of what it does. It catapults you out of here into some other dimension of life and living. <laughs> I mean, that sounds kind of bourgeois and shallow, but keep it real. That's who's running for office right now. A lot of bourgeois black people are running. Hmm. And I really do think they want to just get the flock of body here. <laughs> <laughs> so Adelia... It's very difficult. It's a hard place to be. <laughs> and it's a lot of, you know, middle-class blacks who are educated who have directors of this and, you know, head of school board that and, picked by white Republican packs that, you know, it's like, wow, this mm -hmm. is like a show to me. Huh. I, I'm like so far past all of this thing, but it's interesting to see how black people are constantly so, trying to get somewhere. So Adelia, tell me, I see it. tell me who in the race is appealing to you then? Who, <laughs> who are you? Which, I don't well, know which you district know, you live in. I mean, in, I don't usually like to expose myself to yeah. realities, but I know that Adam is in the top of the heap as one of the blacks who normally would not be if he didn't have a lot of rich people paying for it. Mm. I mean, it's money that's running this show yeah. out here these days. And if you're a community grassroots citizen going to every event on the planet, I told one of the people, and I'm not going to say who, to go join Emily's list. Mm. Hint, hint. Because yeah. I already know the game. Yeah. It's very serious. It's a serious money game. And that's how this politics is running this city, basically. Yeah. It's uh, money. Uh, Adelia, so that's I, my speech for the day. <laughs> good luck. Have fun, y'all. Yeah, I really appreciate you calling and, and, and saying that. Mario, I, I, I absolutely agree with her that the amount of money that we've seen in this race is staggering, first of all. And, and it, it is shaping uh, the, the, the way this is all, this is all playing out. We, I, I can't remember... The last time we saw this kind of money in uh, a, a congressional race in the city of Detroit. Uh, you haven't. Not in the state of Michigan. This is the largest funded congressional race, I believe, in the state of Michigan. And it's being done right here in metropolitan Detroit, which is <laughs> absurd. Um, and I think a day is right. Uh, but it's nothing new. Money is always driven. Uh, politics. It, you know, it's all about how much money you can raise and you get the money, you put it into advertising and get into a support base. There's no such thing as a volunteer anymore. You know, everybody's a paid, you know, staffer <laughs> or something like that. You pay your poll workers. But it's incredible the amount of money that's being invested in this, um, in this particular race. And that's, that tells you, uh, Stephen and Eli, how important 
this is, and you mentioned that in, in, in the beginning of your uh, conversation, that this is a very important race for the future uh, of the city of Detroit and the surrounding area, because whoever wins this seat is going to be one of the most powerful people, not only in the state of Michigan, but in the country, because of the, the what you have to do uh, to change things, change things around in a direction that they have gotten misguided over mm. time. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Anthony in Ann Arbor. Anthony, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, Stephen. Hey. Yeah, um, I voted for uh, Sam Riddle already, absentee in the primary, mm-hmm. because I really support his uh, platform. He put out a tweet about it the other day, and it said, uh, well, Medicare for all, I think he'll actually fight for that, unlike all these other Democrats who say they're for it. <laughs> and uh, what else he say? He said, uh, end the wars, cut the Pentagon, pursue diplomacy. Uh, I already asked uh, Mr. Holier on social media, would you cut the Pentagon or would you vote for the defense authorization? He said he's all for it. And it's no surprise because he's in the military. So yeah. I, I can't support that personally. And it just it seems all the other Democrats, they would fall in line with whatever the Democratic Party wants to do. If you listen to Sam Riddle on the you know his public radio show, you'd know that he is not afraid to go against anyone, no matter what their status is. Yeah, uh, Anthony, I, I really appreciate you calling, sharing your thinking, and and how you've cast your ballot in in this race, Eli. The the, the policy differences between these candidates is something that hasn't gotten a ton of attention because, uh, I mean, they've been busy. I think a little bit of distor- you know, there's been a little distortion of the records in in a lot of the ads, but there are some real. <laughs> There's a real range here of of uh, policy preferences, even among all the, the you know the Democrats who are running. Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, I I think I think uh, and Anthony spoke to it about I think and and we had callers talking about um, um, other candidates like Sherry Gady and Yogo, people who maybe are taking a little bit of the non-democratic uh, um, platform talking points about um, um, what are kind of like the big ticket items this. Midterms. I mean, we're talking about voting rights. We're talking about um, abortion access. You know, these are kind of things that are, are are coming up in the national conversation. And I think for the most part, we're not necessarily seeing the candidates focus on on the differences of of that kind of platform because I think for the most part, you are going to see a lot of of cohesion and a lot of similarities with kind of some of those uh, broader points on on what uh, what their platforms are which is why i think a lot of the conversation is about who each of these candidates are and what their backgrounds are because i think when you actually do get into those finer details unless you really have a very niche kind of particular you know political issue um, or, or something that's you know kind of right in your backyard i mean i don't know if you're going to figure out what those what the, the candidates really speak for because it's not going to be you know uh, on their website and it's not you know getting actual information from from these candidates about maybe the those finer points um, that like um, Anthony was looking for I think that's going to be a lot harder for people to do but I think by and large I mean they're all Democrats they're all going to mm-hmm. st- stand up for what the national the national Democratic kind of um, agenda sets in, uh, before them yeah. Uh, again, Anthony, really appreciate the call and uh, your thinking about the race. Let's go to Greg in Midtown. Greg, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, Greg. Um, good morning. Um, I was thinking about the redistricting and how uh, the Detroit vote has been split. And uh, beyond the borders, uh, the strictures of Detroit, we can't expand beyond eight mile. Therefore, um, changing our voting district, uh, being parceled out, to me, is unconstitutional. Hmm. I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. Uh, Greg, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the call and that, and that comment. Uh, Mari, I'll start with you, and then Eli will come to you about, about this district. Uh, these districts, I think, are by any measure less, uh, less pernicious in terms of chopping up the city, I think, than than what we had before. I mean, we had that, that that district that Brenda Lawrence represents that stretched from, you know, the riverfront out through the points and then all the way up to Pontiac. Um, right. This is better, but but like Greg said, it, it it still divides the city. Would we be better off, I guess, with a with a single congressional district uh, that included the city of Detroit? Go ahead, Mario. 
Well, I, I, I don't believe that we would be better off with a single district only representing the city of Detroit because then they become single interests. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that we are in a more diversified community, and that is all of Southeast Michigan. People forget that uh, Detroit is not the only folk place that has black folks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are, you know, there's been this migration uh, of of minorities, with the leading minority being the blacks, into Oakland County, into Macomb County, mm-hmm. into Washtenaw County, and has made a huge difference politically. If you just look at Oakland County, you know they're already over the tipping point. You know, with, with the county exec. Uh, uh, situation when you had Patterson and now you have uh, a Dave over there. So it's, it, I, I would disagree that it's unconstitutional. I would say that the, if, if, if I would go on a stretch to say what is consciously unconstitutional is that people don't vote <laughs> and they don't participate in the process. Mm, mm, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Eli. Yeah, so I think one of the things that, that stands out about the 13th is that it is the biggest, uh, it's the biggest uh, minority majority uh, district in the state, 63%, according to uh, figures that the Michigan Independent Citizens uh, Redistricting Committee have put out. Um, and that's about uh, like a 45% uh, uh, black population specifically. But in terms of just like those concerns about redistricting and the watering down of black representation, which I think is something that is top of mind for a lot of people, you know, one of the... the uh, the commissioners on on this independent uh, redistricting committee did uh, put out their dissenting statement saying that the way that the maps are kind of drawn now are effectively going to um, water down some of this black representation. And there's, you know, there's uh, particular debates within that committee about um, the Voting Rights Act and the difference of, of cracking and packing districts and, you know, w- what was right and what was wrong and how do you uphold the identity of, a, of an area but kind of making sure that it's legal. And there were these debates going on and in, you have at least one um, um, a commissioner really putting out their opinion saying that, you know, what we effectively did is going to have this, you know, resounding impact on on um, black representation in perpetuity. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take another quick break and come back. Uh, Eli Newman, it was great to have you here uh, to talk with us about uh, the 13th Congressional District. Thanks for coming into the studio. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Yeah. We're going to keep Mario Moro, and when we come back, we're going to introduce another voice to this conversation, Todd Spangler, who is a Detroit Free Press reporter who covers politics. He's been covering the 12th Congressional District race, which we're going to turn to and talk about next. We'll also continue to hear from you on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number here. You can also go to Facebook or to Twitter and put comments there. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is your connection to what's happening in Detroit. WDET is your place for open dialogue about the issues that impact you. Stay in the know. This is WDET FM, Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about Congress in the city of Detroit today. We were just talking about the the race to replace Brenda Lawrence in Congress in the new 13th congressional district here in Detroit. Uh, We're going to turn to talk about the 12th district, but before we do that, I want to make a note that you can find lots of information uh, about the candidates that are running for both of these districts here at WDET.org. And of course, lots of other news sources uh, are providing information as well. One of my favorites is uh, a podcast called Authentically Detroit, which is uh, co-hosted by my colleague at Bridge Detroit, Orlando Bailey. Uh, they hosted an actual discussion, kind of a debate between all of the candidates in the 13th district. Uh, they also have interviews up of several of the candidates. Uh, you can also go to Citizen Detroit uh, and find uh, 
videos of candidates in all kinds of races talking about why they're running. So if you have not made up your mind, if you feel like you need more information, there are lots and lots of places to find it. Okay, uh, the 12th Congressional District has gotten a lot less attention in the news, but it's a really important and interesting race. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib has begun something of a household name, not just here in Michigan, but all across the United States, mostly for the really aggressive stance she takes on a number of issues. She's been able to emerge as a leader in the progressive movement inside of the Democratic Party. Uh, That's probably at least why she's kind of leading in the polls right now ahead of Detroit City Clerk Janice Winfrey. And while Winfrey is behind, she is trying to build a strong coalition backing her, including a pack of African-American and Jewish business leaders. That is where we want to continue the conversation. Uh, we've got Mario Moro with us. He is the CEO of Mario Moro and Associates. I also want to welcome Todd Spangler, who is a reporter at the Detroit Free Press who covers politics. He has been covering the 12th Congressional District race. Todd, welcome to the program. Steve, how are you? Yeah, it's, Good to hear from you. It's great to hear your voice. Uh, so, Todd, I'm going to start with you. Why is Tlaib leading right now by so much in the polls? Janice Winfrey, uh, for all the criticism she takes for the things that go wrong during elections here in the city of Detroit, is one of the most popular political figures in the city. Her vote totals in those clerk races are unbelievable. And lots of people have tried to unseat her unsuccessfully. How come she's not picking up more traction in this race? Well, I... I got to think it's a couple of things, Steve. I, I mean, part of it is a city race um, uh, like that she's run for and won many times just isn't the same as even a midterm congressional election in terms of the number of people who are going to vote in that and get involved and get picked up by the polls. And then you're talking about Rashida, whose name recognition is just off the chart. I mean, just I mean, from the time that she started really running hard in that race in 18 against then uh, city council president brenda jones and a host of others she just exploded i mean you know she just got all this attention and continues to get it and like i say her name recognition is just off the chart i think that's i think that's largely what you're seeing um the people who like her have grown to love her i mean have just really taken her on and for whatever reason in this district that anti-Tlaib feeling, which there is out there, hasn't grown as much as it has in some other places. Hmm. Uh, Todd, talk a little bit about this district, how it's different from the district that uh, Rashida Tlaib represents now, and what cities outside of Detroit are in it. Yeah. Well, so, as you know, like the, the current district that was drawn by Republicans, you know, back in a, a decade ago, was this weird amalgamation of Western Wayne and sort of swung through the middle of Detroit, had these wings going, it almost reached the, you know, the bottom of downtown, and, and then sort of swung out in both directions and came down river a little bit. It was this weird amalgamation. Didn't include Dearborn, didn't include Livonia, didn't include uh, Southfield. Those were all in other different districts. This district is a lot more compact. I mean, rather than having pieces of the east side and pieces of the west side and downriver, this really, if you're thinking of Detroit west of like Davison Schoolcraft, Littlefield, this is the district. I mean, west of that, and then into, into uh, Redford, into, uh, goes in Livonia, keeps Westland, picks up Dearborn, which for, you know, the first, one of the first Muslim uh, women members of Congress is a big deal. Um, who's a Palestinian-American herself, you know, then it stretches up to Southfield, which is currently Brenda Lawrence's district, like you had mentioned, and slightly into Beverly Hills, later Village, around there. But that piece of it's one thing. Really, it just consolidates that Western Wayne section. And frankly, a bunch of people who vote in this election, if they haven't already in absentees, are going to look at their ballot and say, you know, wait a second, you know, Haley Stevens is my, is my congresswoman, <laughs> not, you know, not Rashida Tlaib, and they're going to you know, wonder sort of immediately what to do with that sort of thing. So there'll be that kind of confusion. This is a much more consolidated district. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Mario, as I mentioned, uh, there is a coalition of African-American 
and Jewish uh, business leaders, uh, a pack actually of black and Jewish leaders, that are supporting uh, Janice Winfrey. I, I wonder how big of a role you think that is going to play in, in this race. Well, I think it has played um, a role, and I think it's maxed out. The issue is this, and I think Todd hit on it. Uh, Rashida Tlaib uh, is a household name. But not only is she a household name, she has a young and senior motivated base that are active and engaged. They participate, they're loud, and they vote. Unlike, just like in the 13th, but primarily in the 12th as well, all the candidates have their own little base, but they're not actively engaged. You know, it's a small volunteer base or small coalition of supporters. And Rashida's uh, support base is stronger than the three candidates that are running against her combined. And that is that is a, a powerful, um, uh, engaging group, if you will. And it's hard to beat. I think, to be honest with you, the folks that are running against Rashida Tlaib and the supporters of those people misjudged her they thought that there's a lot of anti Rashida out there, and it just did not come to fruition. Hmm. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the 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 talk just a year ago was that Rashida Tlaib could be vulnerable in in this race, and I'm not sure I ever quite believed that, Todd. But but as Mario said, it didn't it didn't ever really get get legs. If 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 Rashida was going to be vulnerable in a race. That included Southfield. I, I, I honestly think Congresswoman Lawrence would have run again. I mean, I, I know that she didn't want to run outside of Southfield, which was her base and her home. Um, you know, once Dearborn got added, Dearborn, Dearborn Heights was already part of her district. Once Dearborn, Dearborn got added to that, it really solidified a base for her. Her name recognition's off the chart. And I got to tell you, you know, early on there was this brief flirtation that all this. Um, APAC, American Israel uh, Public Affairs Committee money, was going to rush in for Janice Winfrey. And yeah, the, the urban, urban Empowerment Action did, is putting in you know, $750,000 into, in, in, into supporting Winfrey, but that other money in droves did not come in the way, for instance, it has for Haley Stevens in the 11th or for Adam Ollier in, in, in the 13th. So, I mean, they clearly were savvy enough to look at this race and say, yeah. I, we Excellent don't think point. this is going to happen and mm. not bring that money. And I honestly think the, uh, the UEA money, the, the urban empowerment money that she's getting or the support she's getting is important really because fundraising wise, Tlaib's out fundraised her about 10 to one hmm. for Janice Winfrey. I think this does help at least get ads up on TV that, that can bridge that gap somewhat. It's not going to close that gap. It's happening probably too late to make a huge difference unless we get a slew of people that we don't think we're going to get on Election Day who haven't already voted absentee. So, yeah, I just, you know, I just don't think Clark Winfrey hit the, 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 the notes that, that these folks wanted to see or hit the numbers they wanted to see poll-wise mm -hmm. against Tlaib to bring in a whole a boatload of more money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go back to uh, the phones quickly. Uh David in Detroit, you're up next. What's on your mind? Good morning, everybody. Hey. Uh, interesting discussion. Appreciate it, as always, Mr. Henderson. Um, I, was, I called in inspired by one well, of the comments that your, your guest made, saying that there's no such thing as volunteers in politics anymore, which is he just actually corrected himself when he was talking about uh, Representative Tlaib's campaign, because the level of cynicism that the political consultant culture and sometimes even the media inject into political races at this time of year every year is is really daunting for sort of our collective psyche in this region uh, because you see down race tickets where it's almost exclusively volunteer run you see representative Tlaib's campaign where she has hundreds of people that are willing to go out and knock on doors invest their time and and really drive the comment that he just made saying that you know Perhaps she was underestimated by some of the political elites that thought that there was a vulnerability there when hmm. there's not, because 
she actually has, you know, uh, a human-powered campaign behind her. Yeah. And that's one way that voters can distinguish, you know, between the candidates that are out there is if you're willing to invest a little bit of time and energy, you can quickly determine in the 12th district, you know, which candidates and their teams are responsive to engaging with volunteers and yeah. which ones aren't. Yeah. Uh, David, so uh, David, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're going to run out of time, and I want to give uh, Mario Moro a chance to, to respond. Mario, I've got about uh, a minute left. Yep, and I'll take 30 seconds uh, uh, or less. And I think he's right. Uh, there was a bit of contradiction there. I think the Rashida Tlaib is a different type of candidate as it relates to recruiting volunteers. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, on the flip side of that, where's her money coming from? There's a, a whole lot of money being dumped into her campaign. And I think that you can have, you know, your cake and eat it too. And I think at this point in adventure, she has both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Todd Spengler and Mario Moro, it was great to have both of you here on Detroit Today to talk about uh, this race. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Okay. That is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we're going to talk about how much money is pouring into state and congressional campaign races and why dark money still operates in our politics. Simon Schuster of MLive has been really closely tracking all the money that uh, is in the races this year, staggering amounts in some cases. We're going to talk about where it's coming from and what influence it has over our politics. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.